Hey, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. That's me. Welcome to the show. Today I'm talking to Del Shores. He is a playwright behind such shows as Sorted Lives, The Trials and Tribulations of a Trailer Trash Housewife, Southern Baptist Sissies, Yellow, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, and uh, also the Sorted Lives movie and TV series. And Sorted is basically everything. Uh, the Sorted franchise, if you will. Uh, he's also... A solo performer, he does uh, a lot of stand-up style shows, and he's got a lot of fun stuff going on. He hosts a radio show as well. He's going to be talking to us all about that stuff. But first, I want to get a little thank you in to Jeffrey Schwartz, who donated to the tip jar to help keep this podcast free. Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, I just came across this kind of seminar I want to take about how to build a business using social networks and things like that. And because of your generous donations, I can afford to do it. So thank you all very much, everyone who's donated. If you want to do that yourself, you can do that at DennisAnyone.net. And while you're there, you could take the audience poll, which would really help me. I'm inching up on the amount of people that I need to get a good sample, which will help me get advertisers. So if you can do that, it'll only take a few minutes. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can also check out the blog there, um, like us on Facebook book, that's Dennis Anyone, and um, if you have uh, an email or anything you want to send, you can do that on the website as well, DennisAnyone.net. So now, without any further ado, here's Del Shores. Hey, I'm here with Del Shores in his Hollywood home, playwright extraordinaire, filmmaker, you know the plays and the movies Sorted Lives, Southern Baptist Sissies, Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, Yellow... Trials and Tribulations of a Trailer Trash Housewife. I feel like I'm missing a couple. No? Daughters of the Lone Star State. Yes. Cheatin' was my very first one when I right. was a child. I, I, was, I was 26 when that play opened. And wow. What, I mean, Southern, did you say Southern Baptist? I did say Southern Baptist. So I think you got them sorted live. Yeah, there you, you got go. them all. Yeah. And uh, you're also a solo performer. You do like a storytelling stand-up thing. I do. I call myself a storytelling humorist I instead love that. of a stand-up. But when did that start for you? When you when you got up on stage and started telling stories? Because you're a natural storyteller. It, I mean, it's it's. I grew up in this family that were storytellers, and right. I always say that you know my dad was a Southern Baptist preacher and my mother was a high school drama teacher. But my mother had that this, makes perfect sense. Yeah, when you like, look at you, that's amazing. It's a sort of theater on, yeah, on, on both, both sides of the right. family. But my mother um, had this crazy, colorful storytelling family and my dad's family were they were so, so sweet but really good christians and but my dad would always say son don't tell stories because i i would tell i would lie i would, would just admit, you'd embellish just but not even embellish i mean i would just say well, what did you do today oh well i flew over this mountain on a turkey and with my nana and we had a tea party with jesus and the disciples and you're my, like the character in the book of mormon that keeps adding everything or changing just, everything and, and my dad would say son that's a story don't tell stories and then my mother's family would hear what else happened delford what else happened so i my aunt sissy my real aunt sissy that i based the character in sorted lives on she recently i passed away but before that I did a, a two-hour uh, interview with her just for fun. I just thought, I want to document this woman. And I asked her about that. And she said, oh, yeah. She said, we, yeah, Minnie Lee, that was my grandmother. She said, don't, don't encourage him to lie. But she, uh, she said, we always did. And that's why I think you're a writer. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, when you first walked on stage to do it in front of a, 
an audience with a mic. Was it natural or was it a little bit like... It was a little scary, quite honestly, because I was known as this writer, uh, director, and I had come out here to L.A., you know, when I was in my 20s, to right after college, to be an actor. Right. But got sidetracked. I wrote a play and it was successful. Wrote another play that was even more successful, Daddy's Dying, which became a movie. And so writing sort of hijacked my acting career. Right. I used to have these, this sort I, I had to go to therapy over being jealous of the writer self and the actor self were fighting. Like I, <laughs> I, I it, it, seriously, that's I, interesting though. I can imagine it like, yeah, but this is, I'm supposed to be doing this. And, I, and yeah, I, I, in my very first play cheating when I was 26 is the only play I starred in. And I wrote, I did it just for selfish reasons. I wanted to be in a play. I was, right. in, um, I was doing days of our lives as the bartender and had like these lines like here's your beer Dennis and so who I was, was cool to you on Days of Our Lives uh, Arlene Sorkin cool. was amazing All right. like I did a, I did several scenes with her there, okay. were, there were a few that weren't so sweet but okay. most, most of that cast was very sweet it awesome. was a long time ago but you can always you know what's interesting is that you can always tell who um, is the jerk immediately if you're a day player because they don't how do you tell they just don't treat you very well. I remember doing, I mean, before I was uh, Seth the bartender, I was a reporter one day. And there's an actor, I'm not going to say his name, who played the role. You can figure it out. You can chronicle my I life. I have friends that watch this show, so they'll played love Roman this. Okay. back then. Okay. Way back then. He was the Roman in, the say, 84. Right. And he um, was really rude to me in a scene. He went up on his line. Yeah. And he threw me under the bus. He said, the extra didn't know his line. Right. And it was one of those lines where you go, hey, Dennis, what do you think about the... And he never cut me off. And I tried to fill in the blanks. But, you know, I'm like 20... It's one of those lines that end dash. They're supposed to cut exactly. you off. Exactly. And, and right. so they hate that in daytime. They, yeah. do, they don't want any... They don't, want to have to, they don't want to have to edit. Yeah. So that if you fuck up, you right. know... You're, so he threw me... Years later... I was producing a pilot that I created with James Duff for CBS, and he came in and read for me. <gasps> and Did he remember you at all? No. He looked at me and he said, you look so familiar to me. How do I know you? And I said, I'm going to let you figure that out. I wanted to say, I was the extra that, right. when, that you said. when, I, But I didn't. And I, I, I tried to be a pro- He was really, really nice and gracious during that audition. And we took him to network. And I did the right thing. But he was, it, it's, it's interesting how this business, you know, takes you on these paths. Right. And you, you have to be, you gotta be, be nice, nice to people because you never know. Also, you should just be nice. You, you should, should be. It shouldn't be. And, you know, I, like, you know, we never get to this. We'll get to that question you yeah. asked me. But um, I was pitching a pilot at NBC one time for uh, Carrie. I think her name is Carrie White. And she, I'm pitching, and she goes, "Dell, I don't think you remember me." And I said, "No." I said, I, I, "I don't." She said, "I was Jamie Tarsa's secretary, and you were always, you'd always come early, and you'd make me laugh." And she said, "That's really why you're here today." Oh <laughs> wow! Thought, See? So like seven years I later, love that story. That, <laughs> okay, I got what I need. We can wrap it up. Thank you, Dell. <laughs> no, no. And That's I saw the pilot story. in the room. See, there you go. So, That's fantastic. Uh, her name was not Carrie. Well, I, I'm, I'm going up on her name. That's horrible. Uh, That's all right. She was, Carrie Burke. There she you was go. The, the vice president of, of, of development for drama. But right anyway, on Carrie Burke, three cheers. Yeah, um, standing up, I 
so Sorted Lights, the series, had a lot of legal problems, and uh, the producer didn't pay us our residuals, and right. it wasn't Logo. I just want to make sure everybody knows Logo was being very honorable and actually actually found a way to pay us some residuals, but he went bankrupt as after we won all the lawsuits. We, we were awarded like $2.7 million collectively, and I had written and directed every one of them, so you can imagine that right. was a lot of money, and... Immediately when those verdicts came in, he filed bankruptcy. So we got nothing. During that two-year period where we were having to do all these arbitrations, my ex-husband, who, uh, you know, there, there were some good aspects to that marriage. And one of the things he said is he said, you know, you should write a, a one-man play. You're always telling people about the stories behind the stories in your movies and your plays. Right. And, and people so, love that stuff. Yeah, so they, what inspired me, and so I wrote this play that was just basically a one-man show called Del Shore's My Sorted Life. And it started out being called The Storyteller. And another gift that my ex-husband, who was very, very good at marketing, he said, you need sorted in everything that you do because that's your brand. Right. So went every, I did 39 shows, and three of them were in New York City, and Caroline Ray came and introduced me to the audience and stayed for my show. And afterwards she said, you know, you're a natural stand-up and I will help you pull pieces from this and I would like you to open for me. Wow, what a gift. So I opened for her uh, for many shows and then we, um, yeah, it was. It was a total, and, and Caroline has been such a good, good friend to me. When I had money problems, Caroline loaned me money. I mean, she is that kind of person. That's awesome. And I was very public about mine because I had, you know, I was one of those people who, I was always the one who got to pick up the tab. I had the money. I was working right. on Queer as Folk and Dharma and Greg and right. making, you know, that TV money. Yeah. You think it's endless. Well, I've heard tell of it. <laughs> but... Right. Well, you do. When you're making that kind of money, you think that it will go on forever. And then all of a sudden, it stops. And you have a, a home in the hills. And you can't afford your mortgage. And suddenly, it's like, oh my God, I didn't plan for this. Right. I just thought it would always be. Right. And so... Plus, that was the 90s. The 90s, people said yes. Everything. Yes. Yeah. And so what happened was that very dark period of my life was a blessing ultimately because it gave me a gift back to myself that I absolutely love. And, you know, I make probably over 50% of my income now just standing up with a mic talking shit. What was so, the lowest point of that dark chapter? Was um, there a point where it was, you know, like where people talk about rock bottom with certain uh, other issues, but was there a point where it's like, it's got to go up from here? Well, I, I guess it's really hard to, I mean, and, and this sounds like, you know, you're very privileged or whatever, but when you have to sit down with your kids and say, okay, we're going to have to get rid of your housekeeper. We're going to have to get rid, you know, you yeah. start cutting everything back right. that they grew up with. And I'm sorry, but you can't have that kind of allowance anymore. It's when it hits you with your kids that they are aware that you're struggling. Right. And them to see that vulnerability that I had. I just remember having this horrible meltdown in my office one day, just trying to figure out how I was going to pay mortgage or how I was going to delay paying mortgage or whatever. And it was, it was, my daughter came in and I, I wasn't the best parent to her at that point because I was so freaked out about everything. 
And it was that moment. It was, it literally was that moment where my ex-husband told me that for the tour that we were about to have, that was a desperation thing where I had to go on the road that we were not, we could not fly from city to city that we were literally going to have to drive from city to city. You were going to bus and truck it. In, in, in my BMW, my 525 BMW. That was for, and I was very upset about that. You know, the problem, which ultimately I got rid of that car and I, I, now I drive my old Acura again. And, but, but the, I know we're getting really sidetracked here. I love this stuff. But the thing about all that is first, that was a blessing that yeah. I was able to go, okay, I am not going to be able to afford this house. I lost that house and it was, you know, a, a you know, million six or something that I had, had paid for, not paid, but you know, borrowed <laughs> for the house. Sure. I called it my queerest folk house. And, um, but I went on the road and I, I felt the love and the laughter and that was healing and I also valued things for the first time in a really long time because I didn't grow up with money. And, right. you know, there's nothing worse than someone with new money. Man, we just love it. We love right. it and we love to spend it. And I did not save for that rainy day. I mean, you know, I just had made money since 87 as a yes. writer. Things went well. Right. And, you know, things are good again. But Have you ever had the experience of bombing as a stand-up? Where, you know what I mean, stand-ups talk about, we killed, I bombed, I killed, I bombed, whatever it is. Or do you, people, because you sort of tell stories and a lot of them are already know your work and stuff right. like that. Have you, have you ever had an audience just not get it? You know, it, it, interesting enough, I, I never think about that like a lot of stand-ups because I am a storyteller. And I connect right away. And again, So it's not about like... A laugh meter in your head. It's more it's about: not. Am I communicating? Are they following the story? Right it, now, I will tell you that if I'm playing a bar, yeah, and they're really drunk, and I lose a section of it, I it, when I first started doing this kind of entertaining, I didn't know how to deal with those people. I right. know how to deal with them now. Do you have certain I, lines that you go to? Well, or does it depend on the situation? You know, the, I was playing Knoxville recently at, at the, a club called The Edge, and there was just a glorious, wonderful audience. And sometimes, you know, when people are drinking, they don't realize that they're oh, being yeah. rude, and you're very close, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking. And You know where the capital of that is in the world, at least in L.A.? Casita del Campo. Oh. Because they pour really strong yes. drinks, and there's always some asshole that thinks they're in the show. <laughs> well, the, it, well, I, I, but I, I love that place. I, I do too. I love that. Yeah. Like that. I, lo- I love the, the owner of that place or the manager who yeah. always gives that speech about, and if there's a fire, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. Mr. You're just, Dan. You're, you're just dead. He's the best. And I think he listens to this. So shout out to Mr. Dan. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. I've always wanted to play there, but it's, it's booked forever. Cause it's yeah. so reasonable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have, I've had those experiences where, where I felt, okay, this was not my best show or someone, but, but back to edge, what I do now is I, I just go, Hey, excuse me. Um, I'm just going to stop talking until you finish your story because you're interrupting me. So I know I'm interrupting you. So you finish yeah. that story, will you? And sometimes they don't hear me. Right. And so then the quiet, and then of course somebody goes, Hey, He's talking to you. Right. And then this, the audience and then teams up with you and goes for them. And, they're, and or they, they say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and he goes on. Uh, but, but every now and then there's like the real jerk that yeah. you have to. Somebody told me a good, the other day that the, uh, they saw a stand up 
and someone started heckling him, and he said, "Hey, come, hey, come up here, let's talk." <laughs> yeah, come on up. He put the mic. Wow. And just turned it around. That's cool. So I, I, I try to I try to deal with anything that goes wrong with humor, because when you get mad. Your audience kind of turns on. Right, it makes everyone uncomfortable. I've done you that have before. To, you have to be cool. Yeah, I've had a few of those moments. I in would my, think. Yeah. Now, well, you, you <laughs> no talk. I've seen you do some stand up, and you talk about stuff from your personal life. You talk. You tell dishy showbiz stories. Is it cathartic to to talk about the things you talk about? Does it? I know people love to hear it, but does it um, does it do something for you in a way? You know, I, here's the way. My philosophy these days is, and it, I even take it, you know, with my posting on Facebook. Someone told me that I was harsh the other day. You're very harsh sometimes in your comments. And yeah. I, you know what? I just don't censor myself much anymore. Right. I, 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 in my show, I always say, you know those old Southern women that they just, everybody goes, you know, she's old. She just says what's ever on her mind. She's about Joan 80. Rivers. Hi. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. She got away with it, you know. Yes, because of humor. And right. So, that's I. So I've just started earlier. Yeah. I've just yeah. started a little bit earlier. Yeah. You know, it's like after. There's a few things in your life you go. Okay, I came out to my Southern Baptist preacher dad. Uh, I went broke in 2006 and just went completely public with it. So what else is there? You know, right. just say whatever the fuck you want. And if someone doesn't like, I always say this in my shows. I go, if you, if you're offended, that's your choice. Right. You get to choose that. And and you can you right. can choose. I get offended sometimes. You make that choice, right? But it, I, many times I often do something outrageous at the beginning of my show, and I go, "Now, if that offends you, why the fuck are you here? Right. <laughs> you know, you're here to hear. You're 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 here to hear comedy, right? And now I you, know Joan took that philosophy. Yeah. She's going, you you know you you actually bought tickets to a a Joan Rivers show, yeah. So. Why what did, did you that, think you were going to get? Did you? Yeah. So I was playing uh, Myrtle Beach or Con- Conway, I believe, somewhere uh, up in, uh, I believe it's in, is Myrtle Beach North North or South Carolina? South I, Carolina. Yeah, I'm not One sure. One of the Carolinas. Anyway, right. ooh, that's horrible. Whomever's listening, they're going to yell. I have, a lo- I have a big hotbed of fans in Myrtle Beach, so. so. Well, I, some woman got really pissed off and walked out of my show. And wrote me this awful quoting scripture about how oh I was taking the Lord's name in vain. And I said, honey, there's something called Google. Just if you didn't know who I was, first of all, if the word sorted is in yeah. somebody's title, pretty sure that it's going to be a little bit like foul. Right. And she didn't write me back. They, I write everybody back, though. I'll write them back. That's good. Now, you mentioned that sorted is kind of like your brand. What do we have now? We had sorted lives. We had sorted lives, the serial, the series. The play the started. Play. The play started in '96, just right up the street. Yeah, it was at a little tiny theater, 64 seats, called Theater Theater. It's also where my play "Daddy's Dying" premiered. Um, and now it's a. It was a bus station, and now they've just torn everything down yeah. there, and all that's left is the Methadone Clinic. I next once door. did a show. I once did a production of um, Cabaret at Theater Theater when I first moved to LA, and I was like in the chorus, and there was this. There's no dressing room space or anything. Like, so the boys would literally hang out on the, in the sidewalk backstage before the show. 
And there was this little pipe that stuck out of the wall, and we used to call it Neko storage. Because you know those Neko wafer candies? Yeah. And we would always put Nekos in there, and I'm like, has anyone checked Neko storage? And everyone would run down. I mean, those are the kind of dumb well, things we, you do. But it was like a hole in the wall, and but they, it was cool. Yeah, and it's right off of Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. so you always heard, like, during the middle of the show, someone screaming at each yeah. other, you know, some homeless person going crazy. Right. But I have a lot of memories there. That was, I mean, Daddy's Die and ran there for two years, for 22 months. That was my first big yeah. success and you know often i uh, someone asked me the other day they said can you point to the time where you knew that you had made it that's an odd question right. you made it but i said i don't know about that but i can point to a t- a day where i knew my life was going to change and oh, was it? it was the day that the la times review came out of daddy's dying who's got the will and that was 1987 and it was supposed to come, you know, it was in the LA Times, all the theater reviews come out in the back, especially right. the small theater. And we went to the back and we looked for the review and it wasn't there. And I thought, oh no, they didn't, they didn't review right. the play. And then, um, at the same, simultaneously to that, I was, we literally were taking the ticket reservations in my tiny little guest unit. And there was a, an answering machine that just started clicking, 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 like like it couldn't one, handle it. One like after it another, smoking. and someone called me, and they go, "Look at page two of the calendar section." And I went back, and I opened page two, and there was a big picture of the character of Sarah Lee and Lurleen looking at you know these photos and the title of the. It said the, the, the headline. The, the headline, yes. It said I have a journalism degree, and I couldn't think, couldn't bring that one out. It said there is a new voice in theater, <gasps> and wow. it was like this crazy. It just was a love letter. I've gotten a few in my career, which you know there are. And I've gotten some really really bad reviews in my career, but I I just remember that Ray Loin was the critic, and it, the, that was Friday. It hit Critics Choice on Sunday. And it sold out for two years with not one advertise. Well, I mean, not one ad. I was looking at the list of the plays that that I've seen of yours, which is most of them. I, I didn't see Daddy's Diane, but I think I from Sorted On. I think I was in. But they all ran for a long time. Yeah. I've been, Have you ever had one that just didn't run as long? Yeah. Um, my my third play was. I mean, people always say, "Oh, yeah, it ran it ran four months instead of like the many many months." <laughs> yes, and all which, the, uh, but it ran. It was with Carol Cook, Daughters yeah. of the Lone Star State. Okay. And it was my shortest run that I, I that I had of the place. But I've been very very fortunate. When we did Yellow, I remember before Yellow opened, one of the ad campaigns was Del Shores has had plays. If you put them all together, there's an eight year run. That's incredible. I've only had seven plays. So, you know, Sissy's over a year, Sorted Lives over a year, Daddy's Dying two years, Yellow. Now you can't really run that long because of the equity rules. You know, it's 80 shows is all you can do unless you have to go to a very expensive contract, which doesn't really make sense. Isn't cost effective. It's not. It's not at all. So you you just try to make it all work for, for for the 80 shows that you have. Now, we were talking about Sorted being your brand. I wonder if you're going to do, like, Sorted salad dressing or, like, Sorted... Have, have you done, have considered any Sorted well, weird we, items? We have we've, we, we have had a lot of T-shirts. Okay. That we had a T-shirt line for a long time when we were on tour in 2006 that did very well. You know, it had, it's all they, about the merch. It's about the merch. Boy, merch is my god on the yeah. road. I mean, you do know... Do you I, sell it yourself or is there a person? 
I always in my contract. Oh, I hate that. I don't I like. Know. I just like to stand there, you stand and, there sign. and sign. Yeah, yeah but you no. can't be running the credit cards. No, no, no. I have. I hand over either my iPhone or they have an yeah. iPhone that they download that Square. Yeah, and they have to. Every club has to in my contract. It has. Yeah. To, they have to supply the yeah. the merch help. I had a. You know, I've had a couple of bad experiences where the merch person was drunk and it cost me a lot of money. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's so like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? But, yeah, but. You Usually, never know what you're going to get. What time they, you know, they did an inventory yeah. of all how many, yeah. and they charged how many there instead of, and there weren't that many. So like yeah. there were six units here, so those were all six. Anyway, it was a they big just mess. Didn't just a lot. But you know, I, I someone wrote me the other day and said you should have a sorted cologne. And I go, oh, Ooh, well, that'd be amazing. Sorted, you know, sorted. I think that's a good time. Yeah, for yeah. the man. Who, yeah. Yeah. What would it smell like? Sex. I just want anything. I think cologne should just make you want to fuck, right? Or, or make you or want, get fucked. Uh, yeah, exactly. What do you have a fragrance that you wear? Um, I, I have several that I go back and forth with, but I guess uh, I love Easy Miyake. That's one okay. of the ones that's. I, I, the other day, I, I posted on Facebook. I said, "I need a new cologne." Can you imagine posting, I need a new cologne, can you give me a recommendation, and most of your fans are gay? Yeah. I think there were almost 500 comments. Oh, my that, God. That people, I, someone wrote me What yesterday. was the runaway, was there a runaway best uh, no, choice? No, there wasn't. There were, there were just lots of, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, some, one of my friends wrote me and he said, I really feel like you need to do a spreadsheet exactly. <laughs> on, on, on the colognes that people um, recommended. Yeah. I was given uh, Abercrombie and Fitch Fierce, which I would never buy. I'm not an Abercrombie. Like, why would... No, and I love it. You I was what? given it as a gift, and I'm like, I like this, and I get compliments on it. I went into Zara yeah. the other day, and there's Zara Black and mm. Zara Silver, and they're like 10 or $12, and yeah. they're under three ounces. Okay. So, so I bought a few planes. of those, for, tri- and I, I like Zara That's Black. Smart. All right, this is a very big week for Sorted Lives fans. Yes. All right, we are, break it down for us. What's happening? We are doing a new movie. We're doing, uh, we're, it's the final chapter. I'm going to be done with, I say that. You're like Cher. I, no more tours. No more, no more. <laughs> I was going to do two more at the same time. I was going to do a, a very uh, Merry Sorted Christmas, and then I was going to do a Very Sorted Wedding. I wrote, uh, I conceived... Uh, Merry Sorted Christmas uh, when Rue McClanahan was still alive right. after the series. And then she had the stroke and passed away. And it had a lot to do with that character and people coming home. And I just don't, I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, at that point at least, I couldn't figure out how to do it without Peggy, that character right. that, that Rue played. So, um, so I, I started writing uh, Mary, I mean, a, a Very Sorted Wedding. And as I wrote it and as I finished it, it felt like the end. Because what I've done with A Very Sorted Wedding is I've brought in the equality movement. And I've brought all the characters into 2014. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a history piece because it won't... It, you know, we'll shoot it in 2015 and I've stopped the story. Because, you know, with what's crazy and what's great about this equality march that we're on is everything changes from from day to day. I right. mean, when I wrote the first draft, I had uh, this moment where um, a character was getting married, gay, a gay marriage was happening in Arkansas, and then all of a sudden they shut that down, and there's a stay, and so then it didn't make any sense. And so I decided, well, if I stop it July on the day that Peggy's anniversary of her death, 
then I can honor what's happened. And then at the end of the movie, right. you go. So if another state, you know, goes, you're not you're not screwed that way. Yeah. And you know what my dream is? It makes me emotional saying it. I, I my dream is that by the time I finish editing, that we can put at the end of this movie, the Supreme Court ruled that gay that it's, marriage, yeah, it's and that legal it, in all fifty states. That it's, I would love that. That's amazing. Uh, that would be great. Now, so. were you you were married um, when it was? Were you in the window? Yes, yeah. I was. That was uh, okay. 2003. We first got we got married our own ceremony, and then in 2008, during that during window, the window, we uh, we we were married legally, and then legally divorced, like a few people have had to do. So. It happens. Yes, it does. Now, who's the gay married, or who's the wedding in the sorted wedding? Or well, is it a mystery? It's it's a little bit of a mystery. I mean, everybody's speculating about it, and I've even on some, with some of the actors that I don't really trust their mouths. I've literally taken out that scene at the end and sent it without that scene, so they have no temptation to tell who's getting married. Wow! But there's uh, I'll say this: there's more than one marriage in the movie. But there's one big, wonderful marriage yeah. at the end of the movie that everybody's going to be really surprised and thrilled about. Okay, who's back? Who's, who's back? back? Well, we've got, uh, character-wise, uh, uh, all the characters are back except for Bitsy May. Olivia indicated early on that she did not want to do any more Sorted Lives, and I just thought that it would be better to retire that character. Uh, you know, sometimes in storytelling, you don't need a character to advance anything. And so I thought without Olivia doing it, I don't want to recast it. So, uh, so, but the characters of, well, LaVonda's back and Ann Walker's playing her. Uh, Nolita's back and Caroline Ray from the series is playing her. And, uh, GW is back and David Steen from the series is playing him. Uh, Sissy is back. Beth Grant declined that role. And just today on my radio show, the Dell and Emerson show on UBNradio.com. Which I listened to and it's really terrific. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Thank you. We announced the new Sissy and our guest was Dale Dickey. Oh, Dale Dickey Sissy. That's great. It's going to be great. Great choice. I mean, you know, you look around. We counted the projects today. 16, this will be my 17th time to work with Dale Dickey. I've been working with her for since 1997, and she is truly one of the best people and the best actresses I've ever worked with. I love her so much. Well, I just know as an L.A. theater goer, when you see somebody that you've seen on stage start to blow up, I remember seeing Mark Ruffalo at the Cast Theater in Justin Tanner's plays and going, that guy's great. And, and David Steen. Do you yeah. remember David? Did you see Avenue A? David Steen, who played GW, yeah. I mean, uh, JD in Blues for Willardine, but GW, he wrote the play that Mark won the L.A. Drama Critics wow. Award for. I saw him at the cast, too. That was the cast. So I used to go there all the time. And, so, and also seeing Dale in your shows over the years and seeing Octavia Spencer. Yeah. As a fan, it's exciting. So I can't imagine what it must be like for you as somebody that wrote... It's wonderful. I mean, you know, Tate Taylor was one of my original sissies in Southern Baptist Sissies, and he went on to play Richie in... Uh, Olivia Newton-John's Bad Boyfriend and Sorted Lives, the series, and then he was writing a little movie called The Help yeah. when he was doing the series. And and I just saw Get On Up. It's really good. I didn't see it. He I, did a great job. Yeah, I need it's to see audacious. that. It's It's not a typical biopic. It's it, it's imaginative. Yeah, cool I need script, to, great performances. It didn't do so well. I know, I it's like, a bummer. I liked it. I think people should check it out. 
But so. Octavia and Viola both were back in that. Yeah. He's like me. He likes to work with... I love working with the same actors again and again. If I always say if they sing my song, I don't have to work as hard. You yeah. know, they hear the same music that I hear. Leslie Jordan, great, you know. Yeah. Well, how did you meet Leslie Jordan? Uh, who, oh, I, we got sidetracked. He's back as Brother Boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the director of my se- first and second play, Sherry Landrum, said to me during my first play, she said, there is an actor you must meet. He's so perfect for your Here voice. in Los Angeles. Here in Los Angeles. He's in my improv class. And it was this little short guy named Leslie Jordan. And when we did that play, uh, Equity, in Kansas City, Leslie came in and audition and I fell in love with him the first thing. His his first line was, hey, Sid, nice day, ain't it? And I thought, oh, my God, who are you? Right. And it was, it's was it been a love story from, right. you know, not that kind of love story. Sure. I mean, he's one of my very... But he's very, like a muse in a way. Yeah. I adore him. So back to that. Okay. So Leslie Jordan's back. We got Dr. Eve back. Rosemary Alexander's right. recreating her role. Wardell's back. The bartender. Um, and Newell Alexander is back. David Calgill, who did the series as Odell, is back. Everybody's favorite drunk, Juanita. Sarah Hunley is back. I love that actress so much. And uh, we got the original Ty, uh, Kurt Geiger, from the film and the play, is back. Great. Um, and uh, who who else did I miss? Somebody? Bonnie Bedelia. Oh my God, Bonnie Bedelia as Latrell, who plays my mother, basically, is is coming back. And and then a lot of the supporting actors: Vera right. Lisso, Lorna Scott is back, and Scott Presley is back as Roger, the, who owns the Beehive. And fantastic. It's a, you know, it, it, there's a there's a big and uh, anti equality revival in Winters, Texas, and Uh-oh. so there's a big fight going on. All right, and. Um, it's the Sharks and the Jets. Yeah, it is. Right on. And and, and you get to see, since uh, the series was, you know, in the in the movie, was set in uh, 2000 and, I mean, yeah, what was it, oh, 1998, and now it's 2014, you get to see how they've evolved, not only looks-wise, but their spirit. And their politics. Their politics and their lives. And, Some people's lives have yeah. probably gone okay, and others, and who, life. Who's read? Oh, you know who else is in the series we just announced today? Catherine, I'm not the series, the movie. Uh, Catherine Bayless, who is on Hit the Floor right now. I and, love that show. And she plays the hot... Uh, the They're all blonde, on that show. But she's the blonde. Oh, kind yeah. Of the, the kind of bitchy... She's got that southern thing going Kyle. on. Kyle. She yeah. plays Kyle, but she, yeah. um, she was... She was the nurse, the hot nurse in the series, yeah. in Sorted Life's a series, and she plays her twin sister in the new movie, Perfect. who's married to Latrell's husband, Wilson. And uh, Lat- and, and uh, Michael, uh, 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 Bonnie Bedelia's husband, is playing that role. So it's all good. It's, it's, uh, all, it's a lot of fantastic It's like a family people. reunion. Yes. Yeah. Now, you're doing a crowdfunding thing we to, are to get it in, off the ground. We are on Indiegogo. Okay. And if they go to my, you know, my fan page on... Facebook just updates you all the time, and that's uh, just just look for Del Shores. And What's the wackiest incentive you have? Um, fellatio? Well, um, fellatio? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, told, I was asking Emerson the other day, because we were just like, you know, it's so exhausting crowdfunding, because you're yeah. always having to come up with something. I said, Emerson, would you, when we, it was, this was when we were doing Southern Baptist Sissies, right. which was completely crowdfunded. Right. I said, um, 
would you give a blowjob for like a hundred thousand dollars? He said, "Hell, I'd give one for ten at this point. Just give it, line them up." Exactly. But, but uh, I guess the lug nuts have become the the thing to collect. Which is, a, is a sort of trademark of the movie. Yeah, because yeah, in the movie, uh, Sissy talks about Vera Lisso's character, the big woman down yeah. at the corner stop, that they had to reinforce her or the stool that she sits on with lug nuts. Yeah. And so when, you know, the movie went completely crazy in Palm Springs. It was there for 96 weeks. I remember that. It was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. Yeah, everybody came and they would come in costume and yell out the lines and there was this lug nut club. Yeah. And they all wore these lug nuts around there. Every time you saw the movie, you get to add a lug nut. And so we sort of stole that and we have these big old lug nuts that if you get three of them your neck's just gonna be know, dropping to right? the floor but we are signing them oh that's so awesome we're having like we, ann walker and i did a very fun competition where i sold 37 with my signature and then yeah. we f- took that off and then lavanda ann walker and she did 39 so wow i had All to right. go on on facebook and say uh i had to praise her for a full minute that was yeah. the bet which right. was very easy. Fair is fair. Yeah. How many times have you gone to the hardware store to buy lug nuts for something? I don't. We had somebody we else had to does go, it. No, we had to look them up when we were doing. When we, we had were, to look up like what they we looked were at. Like I said, what, what do they really look like? Yeah, I, used, like, I just chose that word because it sounds sounded funny. funny. Lug nuts. Right. You know. But yeah, we had to look them up, and we well, are they big enough to write on? Yeah. And so it was a, and we then we can't write with sharpie. We have to get the paint pen. Yeah. So, when you hear that Sorted Lives is blowing up in Palm Springs, what was it like when you first went there and witnessed mm. what it was like? That was when I knew um, that it was something that I didn't realize what it was. I really, you know, you kept, we kept hearing, oh, it's running in Palm Springs. It just, it's running in Palm Springs. There were a few cities like Fort Lauderdale, Dallas, uh, Provincetown. Yeah gay meccas kind of that it ran for a long period of times but then even after all of those ended palm springs just kept running so at the year anniversary of the the run they invited us the camelot theater invited the cast down to do a very special night of celebration and so we all went and you know i think uh the delta didn't go but most most everybody went and olivia went and it was a crazy crazy experience because we walk off this bus we all went down on this bus that olivia had uh she said let's do a, a bus like when i go on tour so she got us the bus and oh my god um, I love that. by the way olivia is it purple like xanadu i, I wish that would have been great yeah. but it was like, it it was so interesting to me cuz olivia is truly the most amazing human being and she is her image and i know you 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 i think you've met her and she's just she's a lovely person and she she um she made i think she made a hundred dollars a day doing sorted live so she only worked like five days so i was like olivia did my movie for five hundred dollars and then she rented a bus for us to go to this event you know and um we walked off that bus and this huge crowd is waiting and there, I see Brother Boy, and I see sissies and Juanitas, and they're all dressed up like the characters. And there was a black sissy, which I loved. Right. And they, then we, you know, Leslie Jordan walks off the bus, and it, it's the first time 
that I ever got to see Leslie truly be that star. You know, I, be, I mean, because Leslie was being recognized a lot. I mean, right. he hadn't done Will and Grace yet. Right. But people would go, oh, you're that guy. You're that little guy in Ski Patrol. Or you were on Murphy Brown. Right. You know, he had done so many sitcoms. But he walked off and people were just screaming for him. Like, brother boy, Leslie, Leslie. And it was it was a crazy night. And then, then they rolled the movie. And I introduced the whole cast. And as they walked up and people were just screaming. Beth Grant walking up as Sissy. You know, it, they, they went nuts. And they were throwing rubber bands at us. Right. You know. Because she has the rubber bands. She's trying to trying stop to quit smoking. smoking. And uh, then the movie started... And they knew all the lines. Right. And they started yelling out, like, it ain't a working, or lug nuts. Right. And, you know, just, it was, it was. Surreal. A, it was a surreal night. What is it about it that they, that they come back for again and again? It's, um, I think, first and foremost, the humor. Right. I think that people love to laugh. And it's just a complete and silly escape. Uh, it makes you think a little bit. Right. And I can't tell you how many people have written me and said I came out to my parents by showing them Sorted Lives and they got to the Ty and Latrell scene and one woman told me that she paused it at that point. And she, this is my, this might maybe my favorite fan story. This woman wrote me and she's from Arkansas and she said that her mother had just passed away. Mm-hmm. And she said, my mother loved Sorted Lives and it was the thing that bonded us so deeply. And she had come out to her mother by showing her Sorted Lives. And so she paused when it got to that scene, Mama, I'm gay, did the whole scene. She paused it and she said, Mom, I need to tell you something. Me too. And the mother said, Oh, honey, I knew that. Could we just finish the movie and, <laughs> and, and talk about this after? And, In a way, that's the perfect example. That's, that's the response you want, actually. It was like no big deal. Yeah. And then she said that um, when her mother was um, diagnosed with, with uh, terminal cancer and it got to the end, she said, I want you to do me a favor every single day. I want you to show me sorted lives until the very end because I want to die laughing. Oh my God. (laughs) And so I, and then that brings me to the second point is, um, people feel comfortable enough to share it with their families and their friends. And so there has been a big straight fan base. I mean, you go on my Facebook, it's my number one fan, of course, are gay men, but my second fan base is huge amount of straight women just yeah. love my work. And then, and then, you know, the lesbians, of course, there's right. a lot of lesbian fans and then a few straight men <laughs> that right. always, every time I do a show, a stand up, I always do demographics. You, and I you get, do a little survey. Yeah. And I get yeah. to, I get to the lesbians, which they sure. don't, they don't come to my shows very right. much. And I was, there's like three of them. I go, oh, thank you both for making it. And, yeah. uh, and then I go, where's my straight men? And there's always like three or four. And I go, okay, who drug you to my show? Right. <laughs> and, and it's always the, they're pointing to the wives. Right. I love that. So, um, so yeah, I think that, you know, it's not overtly gay. Right. It's not like, uh, you know, even Brokeback Mountain, I think that some straight men were very uncomfortable with, but I think that. Um, that people see sorted lives and they see their aunt Sissy or they see that the character of Sissy reminds them of one of their aunts or the character of Latrell is their mother. 
and everybody wants an Aunt Lavanda. Yeah. So it, people relate to it. And those those women in your lives are such comforting things that having and you have a, an assortment of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? There that that sort of energy, that warmth, that it's it's safe and funny and smart. Well, nobody. I I, I think that that a lot of. Uh, writers and especially in our industry and it's probably because why I'm not more successful in TV and and maybe film as well is they forget about those women they forget about those amazing character actresses yeah. and I love them I mean they have made my career and right. I, they are my family and so uh, I remember when we did the series uh, uh, AARP contacted us and they wanted to put the cast on the cover of AARP because, you know, we had all these people over 50. Yeah. And I just said, I cannot take this to Bonnie Bedelia. Right, exactly. <laughs> I get, hey, Bonnie, would you like to be on the cover yeah. of AARP? I'm sure she would be fine with it. But Did they end up doing it? No, we, it, for some reason that one didn't happen. But yeah. I do remember that it was a possibility. Yeah. And I, I love that because, they, they, you know, um, another thing is... Uh, you know, Romulus Linney, Laura Linney's dad, right. was a wonderful playwright. He wrote Holy Ghost. And he wrote, once wrote me a fan letter uh, through Beth Grant. He knew Beth Grant because right. she had done Holy Ghost. And he said, tell Del Shores to keep writing about the forgotten people. He said, nobody does that anymore. Wow. And so I always love that, that, you know, because my heroes are Tennessee Williams, Flannery O'Connor, Eudora Welty, and a lot of those, Catherine Ann Porter. And you read, you know, you read Carson McCullers. I'm reading again, yeah. member of the wedding right now. And you think sometimes we forget about those people. Those pe- Not know? everyone lives in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your real Aunt Sissy. Mm. What did your... The real members of your family that might have been portrayed as certain characters or whatever, what did they think of all of it? Was it glamorous to them or did they see themselves or you got it wrong or how dare you? Well, I'll tell you a couple of, I mean, my mother, I always said, was reluctantly proud of me. Right. When I wrote Daddy's Dying, Who's Got the Will, I just ripped my mother's family just ripped them off. I mean, I, I often say I'm not really a writer. I'm a thief. And I just, my mother at this, it was during the, my first play was running and my grandfather, my papa was having progressive strokes. And so my mother would call me and she's, well, your papa had another progressive stroke. Well, then my aunt Rita started calling me and she said, your mother is trying to mercy kill your papa. And, you know, she's got all that rheumatoid arthritis medication, and I know that she is slipping it to him, trying to just mercy kill him. And so then she got So my, you're getting both of these. So I'm both. getting both of them. And then, oh my I, and then my, I call my Aunt Sissy, who's the, in, you know, she yeah. is the peacemaker in the yeah. family. And I go, Aunt Sissy, do you think Mother's trying to mercy kill Papa? She said, well, I don't know. That's what Rita said. Well, then I call Mother, and I go, Mother, Aunt Rita says that, you are trying to mercy kill Papa. Are you giving him any of your drugs? She said, what? Oh, that little bitch. I'm going to sue her for slander. And so I'm telling all these stories at the theater. And my director, Sherry Landrum, she said, that's your next play. So I just started writing it. And I mean, you know, my Aunt Rita, she just recently passed away. And she died seven husbands. Seven husbands. Wow. So, but, but when I wrote Daddy's Dying, there were five. And... So I, I I wrote what I knew. I wrote my uncle Cecil, which he's passed away as well. And 
it was in a little tiny theater in Hollywood, and I didn't think it, my family's not going to go to the theater. Yeah. You know, my mother came out to see it, and she was a little bit horrified, but then the reviews came out, and she, well, that, you know, Dale wrote a play, it was inspired by my family, you know, they're reluctantly proud, right. but they didn't see it. Right. They didn't know how it was portrayed. But then there was a movie. And then the movie happened. Oh, I didn't tell. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was, like, so happy professionally. Of course. And freaking out because MGM is doing the release. And they call me one day and they go, we're going to open it wide in Texas. But we're going to do a limited release in the northern states and blah, blah, blah. And I go, wait, where is it opening in Texas? And so I said... And I go, okay, is it opening in Abilene, Texas? And they go, oh, yes, we have a... Well, that's like 30 miles from Winter, That's ground Texas. zero of this, yeah. And so all <laughs> of a sudden, my mother's saying, oh, Dale's movie's opening. And my Aunt Rita takes everybody to see this movie. She rallies everybody. And, oh and that's the Beverly D'Angelo character. And she didn't speak to me for seven years after wow. that. She was livid. And refused to talk to me. Finally, we patched up many, many years later. And, you know, she said, she goes, well, I could live with the fact that you made me an alcoholic, which I'm not. But she said, and and then you made me lose custody of my kids in that. And I never lost custody of my kids. But you made, she said, you had me wearing the same outfit for three days. (laughs) (laughs) That made me look like white trash. (laughs) And that was her big complaint. (laughs) The seven-year silence complaint. That's amazing. But when, and then when I wrote Sorted Lives, and that was my mother and my relationship in coming out, I showed it to my mother, the play. I shot the play. Of her. She, had, she didn't come out to see the play, and I took it home and showed it to her, and she, she just burst into tears. And my Aunt Sissy is sitting in the same room watching it, and my Aunt Sissy's kind of liking it. She says, I like what you've done with me. And my She's mother, all into it. Yeah. She, she loved, loved the character of Sissy. She loved Beth Grant's portrayal of her, but my mother burst into tears, and she said, why must you continue to expose this family to the world? So... But then the movie came out, and again, she... And came. I bet there's... I bet they came around, and they're like, it's a little special. It's a little glamorous. It's a little exciting. It's... Yeah, that... Well, something. there was. I mean, my mother... My mother loved... I mean, you know, my mother was a theater teacher. She yeah. was a, a drama major. So the fact that I was a playwright, and yeah. th- that Samuel French was my publisher, because when I was a kid... Yeah, when you get the play, and it has the cover... It was... That was a big, big deal to her, yeah. as it was to me. I would say... She's passed away. She passed away. Yeah. And she... she died in uh like 14 years ago okay. early early death she was only 64 when she passed away oh, i'm sorry so yeah you know she had my mom uh suffered from rheumatoid arthritis so right. she had a lot of pills right and she um she was uh an opiate addict right. and ultimately it just fried her brain and she her official cause of death was dementia but the real cause was just pills yeah you know wow there was a lot of pills going on. Yeah. You know, thus the, you saw in Sorted Lives, the series especially, Latrell yeah. had the pill problem. Well, yeah. that was totally inspired by, you know. I love the names of your characters. I find if I don't know a character's name, I can't keep going. Like, I, it's, I, and, it, and if I put a, if I put a placeholder in, it's not right. I gotta mm, know the name. Me too. Where do you come up, your names are so Texan and so Southern and fun and funny and yet yeah, you believe that somebody would be called that. 
I, you know, I, I sit with them a while. I, I, I recently, I had, I, I love, I love like Brother Boy yeah. came out of me because uh, my friend Greg had an uncle brother. Right. And I just love it when they're like, his, everybody called him brother. Yeah. Growing up. Brother. Yeah. Brother. And a lot of people call it sister. And yeah. so aunt, sister, uncle, brother. He had an aunt, sister, and an uncle, brother. Yeah. And so brother boy came out of that. Um, you know, and I, 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 I grab names that I've heard. I many times will write a name down if yeah. I like Odette yeah. that was in Southern Baptist Sissies, uh, was, uh, somebody on the phone worked for the telephone company one right. time and I asked her her name and she said, it's Odette. And she said, and then she goes, and you, can you believe my middle name is Annette, Odette, Annette. So I thought, well, there you got it. Yeah, I got it. So exactly. I just grabbed that. Yeah. But um, I recently wrote this character in the new movie, uh, Aunt Little Niecy, because I thought, you know, because we go, Little Niecy, there's Little Niecy. And yeah. then, of course, she grows up, and now she's Aunt Little Niecy. Right. And I went on Facebook and asked people to help me. Right. Uh, oh, that's good. And, yeah, and we had a boat. And, the, and that's where you came up with Aunt Little Niecy? No. The, oh. I'd already had Aunt L- Little Niecy, but Brother Boy is asking about, he said, she was... Old, she's mean. She was mean. She had that mean old sister that lived with her. They they used to dress up like witches and chase us around with brooms on Halloween. And Lavanda goes, one broom and one shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, what was the name of the one that had the shovel? What was her name? Yeah. <laughs> they can't remember it. But it was, uh, and then Lavanda, oh, uh, aunt. And I go, so I gave that dialogue on Facebook. That, I love that about social yes. media. People interact. I got three. Over three thousand comments. Oh my gosh! How do you even go through them? You, you, you I how did. Do you even scroll. I did. I printed them all out and I wrote down uh, my favorite ones. I just sort of went, what, 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 and then I had a vote. And what was the winner? Big Aunt Lardine. <laughs> Big Aunt Lardine. All right, I believe it. That sounds right. A lot of times we discuss. You know, it's my friend Benny. Uh, lives in South Carolina, and he was t- talking to me the other day about his brother. And I said, "Which one?" He goes, "Biggin." Yeah. His brother's name was Biggin. <laughs> well, in my, in my hometown, there was a there was a there was Big Boner and Little Boner, and I think they were brothers. But that was yeah, have you seen Little Boner? You know, did they ha- it have to do with an erection? No, or they I don't even know. know. Even at that time, I don't even think the first time you hear it, you think that, and then after that, that just becomes who they are. You know, it's weird. Um, but you mentioned Bitsy May, Olivia Newton-John's character. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Sorted Lives, the Outfest screening at the Village. Yes, and they were all there. And I was—I'm a huge Olivia Newton-John fan. I mean, my physical album barely has any grooves left. I mean, it's—I just—it's everything. Come on. And um, so I was there, and I was there with my friends Leslie and Richard, and we were all diehard ONJ fans, and. After the screening, people were just hanging out, and you could yep. go talk to them. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is our moment. So we're all going to go have our Olivia moment. Well, my friend Leslie goes, um, my sister and I used to listen to our eight tra- your 8-tracks in our basement. Uh. I was like, okay, that is not the tack you want to take to remind people that they were used to be on 8-tracks and whatever, basement. That's not right. <laughs> so I did my spiel, and I was like, I tried to be grateful that she was there this the movie's so good it's so great that you came out i don't know i did not make an impression i can't even remember what i said my friend richard steps up and he goes 
you know, I love the song of yours that's in the movie, um, Trust Yourself, and oh. because it's from one of my favorite albums, Gaia, and, you know, I listen to that, and that's not one of her big no. hits, it's like a more obscure album, so already he's like right in the... Yeah, she made it herself, yeah. she went yeah. to Australia and just recorded it. And he it. goes, you know, that song really um, helped me so much when I was coming out, right? Because it plays over yeah. the end credits, right? It does, and there is a, if you listen to it, it that's not what she wrote it about, but yes... Yeah. Trust yourself, you know all the answers. Trust yourself, you know what is right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, he is nailing it. Knocking it out of the park. She's grateful. She's moved. It's awesome. <laughs> and we walk away and I'm like, I think you won that one. And he goes, yeah, I made it up. <gasps> what? You can make wow. shit up? I was so mad. He goes, well, no, I didn't really. I mean, I like the song and everything, but I had already come out by that time. Like, I kind of poured it on a little thick. I didn't but know you like, could make mm, shit up. Yeah, well, Leslie Jordan says, never let um, the truth stand in the way of a good story. That's right. <laughs> oh, I was so, I was like, mmm. But, yeah, I would, I, but we all, are, those she are, was lovely to all of us. She's awesome. She is, and she's, I always say she is her image. She is, uh, she's such a superstar, and every time I see her in concert, I am reminded of what a superstar she is, but, you know, I've had Thanksgiving with her and we hang out and I drove up, you know, recently to her, her sister was one of my very, very, very best friends, Rona, who passed mm-hmm. away a, a year ago. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. So she just bad. really fast, uh, uh, geoblastoma. It's a brain tumor that Ugh. from diagnosis to death, five weeks, it was so fast. Ugh. But, uh, so we, you know, we, I went up there and just, you know, hanging out with Olivia, just, you know, feeding her goats and she's just a real person and, you know, with real emotions and problems and, and well, a little different problems than what some sure. of us have. But, 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 you know, the, the grief was, was so deep and, and, and then I saw her in Vegas a few weeks ago and, and then she just steps on that stage and you go, Oh my God, that's my friend. I can't, you know, I can't believe that that's my friend and she's a superstar yeah. and, then at the end of the concert, someone came up to my table and they said, come with me. Olivia wants to see you backstage before everybody, before the meet and greet. And so then I go, oh, I am her friend. I am, you know. Yeah. And so it was just me and Olivia and my friend Adam was with me. who was just like, oh, yeah. you know, because we're just hanging out with it. But, you know, Adam, yes, he's like, oh, it's Olivia. And then five minutes, she's just a real person. Yeah. She's just, she. Oh, I love it. She loved his pants. He wears these crazy pants. And she's just, she's real. She's Right. It's not all about her. Yeah. She's like, she, can, she can be. And I'm sorry she's not going to be in the new Sorted Lives yeah. movie. But, you know, it's it's she's got a crazy life. I mean, she's in Vegas. I think she's signing again. And, and she's got, she does good stuff with her life. I yeah. mean, you know, she's got this wellness center in, in Melbourne that just opened. That's a cancer institute. And. She's always promoting and, and building and just yeah. doing, doing, you Good know, stuff. Using, using her stardom to, to heal and help. What, what's your favorite memory of her? Um, it's so fun, you know, I, whatever flashes, I remember, uh, when we were doing Ned and Stacy, I mean, I've got a lot of wonderful memories of Olivia. I love, um, when, uh, First off, well, the, my favorite memory is running on the beach with her the day we were to sh- start shooting the Wild Girls. 
and I was staying at the uh, this condo condo called the Xanadu, which was just a coincidence. And she was right. it written in the font, or was it no? All right, it was. Just, I have a sign in the font that lights up. But how weird is like I'm going to I, I go yeah. to Australia, the go calls, and they drive up to where they're putting me, and it says. Xanadu yeah. apartments. Yeah. And right. right on the beach. And so I'm running on the beach and I'm stressing out because I always go through this. Every play that opens, every time there's something new in my life, right. I always have this, you know, the monkeys start chattering, go, they're going to find out you're not that good. You're just, it's just a fluke. It's just a fluke. Right. And so I was kind of going through my head and there's Olivia and she goes, come run with me. And I told, she said, are you oh, okay? Did she have a headband? No, she didn't. I just wanted to. She can run, man. She is in shape. And so we're jogging, and she says, "Are you okay?" And she says, "And I, I told her exactly what I just told you." She said, "Oh my God, me too. Every time I step on stage, I always go through the same. I get nervous, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm okay. If Olivia and John goes through this, so do." So, then it's okay. But I had a really, I had a flash of a very funny memory. I, Chloe, her daughter, who was also in that movie, mm-hmm. who I directed when she was 14, when she was, when, when Olivia was going through her divorce from Matt, she did a guest starring role on Ned and Stacy. I, I was working on the show yeah. and we needed a celeb. And so I called her and I said, will you do this? Because Michael Whitehorn, who created that show and later King of Queens, was a huge fan as well. And she said, yeah. I'll and you had it. already known her by then. I'd known her, yes. Yeah. I, 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 we hadn't done Sorted Lives yet, but I, you know, I, I knew her as a, an acquaintance. I mean, not more than an acquaintance, yeah. as a friend. And so I called her and she said she would do it. And so she played herself and... And yeah. it was Deborah Messing was had gotten a job as a waitress and Thomas Hayden Church's character accident didn't realize Deborah was working as a waitress and she anyway it was very funny. I just remember this great line where Deborah Messing goes, Oh my god, I've got so many questions about Xanadu and Olivia goes, So do I <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So it, it allowed us to write oh. that. And she was great. But I remember where Chloe is so young, like eight or something, and she comes up to me and she said, you're a really nice man. I think you should date my mother. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and um, Olivia goes, well, there's a slight problem, Chloe. I mean, yeah. she, this is how open she was. She goes, Dell's gay. And she goes, oh, he doesn't seem all that gay. Yeah. <laughs> and so so I always tell Olivia, you know, you did, you truly did keep me straight for a couple of decades. Because yeah. when I was a kid, I thought I was in love with Olivia. I can't possibly be gay. Look at all these Olivia Newton-John posters. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Here with my Farrah Fawcett poster yeah, and my, my Marilyn Monroe montage yeah, exactly. that I made myself. How did your writing and your work change after you came out? Did it? It did. Yeah. I, re- I remember when I wrote Sorted Lives, it was my fourth play. And I remember sitting in my, you know, kind of a desk just like that one right there. And and sitting, you know, the computers back there were much bigger. These, yeah. Oh, these, yeah. These big monstrosities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, remember the, the, I, when we first started AOL where it, the dial tone oh, happened. Yeah. And then you go, I'm in. I'm in. And there was a while with AOL where you could get a celebrity to say that you've got mail. You could download it or whatever. And for the longest time, I had Reba. And she was like, you got mail. And <laughs> she used to drive my roommate crazy because every once in a while, Reba would just say, you got mail. Like, there were like a, an assortment of people that you could get. And I had Reba. I did not know that. Yeah. I you wish got I still had, mail. I wish I still had it. That'd be amazing. But, that could be some a merchandising thing. 
for your, oh, your uh, well we do have those voice memos we do okay. have in character where you Good. can get a voice memo but I, I guess it was yeah I started writing Sorted Lives I was working on Ned and Stacy at the time that was when I first came out and uh, I started writing Sorted Lives and I just remember one day literally stopping because there was always this voice that go your mother's going to see this your dad's going to see this and I thought fuck it I don't care anymore. I don't care who sees this. I'm not going to be dishonest in my work anymore. And, you know, it, there, there's that point where you go, wow, you know, I've had this good career. I mean, I had a really nice career going. I'd done a lot of TV, had a, developed a lot of pilots, and I thought, my career's over. I'm coming out with this play, and I did an article in the L.A. Times. Let's just get this all out in the open. Because I thought, you can't premiere Sorted Lives and not own that you're gay. Right. You have to say, this is was inspired by me. Right. And so I did. And, you know, the gay thing worked out okay. It's like, I've, yeah. I've done all right. You know, it, it's, it's just a great lesson that just be honest with yourself. And, you know, maybe your career would have been different, but it would never have been this fulfilling. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have had that play which southern baptist sissies which is my heart i just is that probably the one the most personal it is definitely the most personal i mean that was me that was mark was me there's a little bit of every sissy that's me but the questioning and the the intelligence right ultimately takes over right and you go you start questioning everything i was always that kid that questioned everything i asked my mother questions that you know that's i don't know if you remember the scene with bobby eeks in the movie where you know, but what about the people in Africa that never hear about Jesus? Well, that's why we have foreign missionaries, so right. we can spread. My mother had an answer for everything, right? And and that, but that play just, you know, I, I, I there was that moment. I talk about writing from your heart and honestly. That when it opened, I thought, I'm going to hell, man. I mean, it's still that all that shit comes pouring back. This isn't wow. going to be a hit. This is going to be a big, big flop. And, uh, and it certainly is the one that I feel that has probably touched people more than any other piece. I yeah. mean, well, this, this one is starting to, with, cause domestic abuse with this yeah. Roy Rice thing, I've been getting yeah. crazy letters. You were gesturing to the blues for Willa Dean poster for the film, which was based on the trailer trash house. Which, yeah, was, uh, which I remember going to that and. Because we're used to your fun, like, lighter stuff, mm-hmm. and then just being like, holy shit. And the way you balanced the comedy of Octavia's character, and the, and then then she would leave, and the husband would come home, and the, the, the way you yeah. did that was just masterful. And Yellow was fucking amazing. Well, thank you. I, I, I feel like that I've got to lighten up a little bit. That's why I'm, I'm, I loved re- returning to the Sorted franchise, yeah. because there you get to be a little bit lighter. Um because what do you do with the next play? Just start yeah. with a wrist slicing? I mean, I you know, know, it was like, it was, Yellow was so, for me, it was so emotional and so intense. And That was a bit of a departure in terms of the setting. It wasn't quite as... Mississippi. Yeah. I said, it was the first time I wrote uh, uh, the whole family with money, you yeah. know, that they had money. Again, uh, uh, there was inspiration from my ex-husband's family. They were yeah. big football people in, in Mississippi, and... I'm glad we're doing this interview because there's so much anger and there's so much hurt in that um, in that departure and in that divorce that sometimes it's good that 
to remember that there, you know, there was a reason you were married and there was, there were good memories, you know. I will tell you, when I came to your show and I remember your, your ex-husband and he was always out there, uh, and he, you know, and there were mugs and there were things and I was like, I need one of those. <laughs> I remember that because it's, it's hard to create and also do all the stuff. And it was just like, I just remember really admiring yeah. it. I always, I thought it was a, I thought it worked as a, you know what I mean? It did. I mean, he was the one who taught me I had a brand. He really was. And and, and it was all good until the series. And I think that probably the lesson I, I've learned is that actors, all actors, should earn a role. They shouldn't be given a role. And when they don't earn a role and when they don't earn success, then it's just kind of handed to them. It's not, it's not authentic and it's probably not the best uh, and I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm saying that's, that, that's my side of the street to clean. Yeah. You know, that's, that's something that I learned that I will never, ever cast another actor or actress in anything unless they've earned it. Unless they're the, the yeah, right person. They're the right. Perfect because, person. because it, it ultimately, uh, breeds some sort of resentment and you always know, oh, mm. right. And then, well, did you know at the time or were you kind of in denial about it and it, it occurred to you later? No, I, was still, I did it from my heart. I wanted yeah. to give somebody I loved an opportunity that he wanted desperately. So yeah. that's why I did it. I did it out of, I, I wanted to help with a dream, yeah. you know, and I, I probably was a little bit misguided and, and the, in that casting, but that, but you know, it, it, it's all a part of learning, sure. you know, and a, a part of this journey that of we're course. on. So, um, anyway, enough of that. That's good though. Um, would you ever want to do something totally different? A legal thriller set in mm. England or do you know what I mean? Do you ever, do you ever think about, I just want to do something. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm good friends with Kevin Williamson. I've watched his career. I mean, I knew yeah. Kevin when, when scream happened and, uh, he wasn't even paid for scream yet. That's when I met him. And, uh, I look at his career and I'm thinking, God, I wish I could do what he does and but i'm so scared i'm just scared i, I mean i mean in terms I, of like the horror and the i live i the... live with my characters so deeply that i don't think that i i mean i you know when i watched um american horror story recently yeah uh i i watched the second season that in the insane asylum yeah. i don't know that would fucked me up <laughs> i mean i stopped having i couldn't watch it at night yeah. anymore i was that kid right that in zapata texas if i saw a scary movie i would get my pillow and crawl into my parents room yeah. and sleep on a pallet in the floor i was such a scaredy cat yeah. so i i've often thought oh i have an, a great idea for a thriller like that and then it, i go no, no i'm gonna leave that to kevin he does that so well right I don't know. I like what I do. I, 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 I tell stories, and if, if, if I'm attracted to a story, that's what I'm going to tell. I mean, I have a couple of things that I've been circling lately, television-wise, and uh, I have a new play, two new plays that, that I, I want to write. So, um, but What's your process like? Is it torturous? Is it, does it mm, start coming? Are you disciplined? I am pretty disciplined. I mean, uh, I, I, I wake up and I always say that for if, if you can give yourself creative time first, then you do all the other stuff. So before the gym, which is 9.30, yeah. the three hours before that, I try to be creative. That's when right. I wrote All Assorted Lives, the right. latest movie. 
And, uh, I, I, I am disciplined like that. So that's, but my creative process always starts with character. Yeah. I, I teach, I lately I've been teaching some writing seminars and I always thought I can't teach writing because you can't really teach what you do. This, yeah. this, I mean, you can, I got, I can teach acting much easier than writing because I can't explain how I write. Yeah. I mean, it just sort of comes out of me, but if I don't build the characters, I don't have anything. How do you do that? Do you do you write like a, I'm going to write a page about Sissy or I'm going to write, or do you just do it well, in your head? Sometimes it's in your head, and many times, like with Southern Baptist Sissies, I did. I wrote pages and pages, so I knew every single aspect of every each character. And then you just and then sometimes you cheat because you go, okay, I'm going to write my mother. Yeah, I don't have to reach too far for that. I know everything about her. Right. You know, I love that. So, but but it is. It's. I always say, if you build the characters as a writer, if you build the characters, they will take you on the journey. Right. You just put them all together. And then they start writing for you. Right. Because I don't know the end all yeah. the time. Is there like a motto or something that you live by or that you've sort of come to or a way of approaching things? Um, a, a word that I embrace all the time is abundance. And it doesn't just mean money. It means that life is full. So I, I, it, there's a mantra. I say that over and over. Yeah. A, a, a abundance. It's interesting you, you know. said that because I... Um, there's a entrepreneur that I follow online once in a while. His name's Derek Sivers, and he started CD Baby, and then he sold it for a bunch of money. And he does, like, occasional self-helpy things. And I've just always liked his personality and his advice. And he went through the, a shit show recently. And, and he remembered being in the middle of it and asking himself, what's great about this? What's great about it? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're at the worst. And if you ask yourself that, you can think of... It's not just what's okay about this. You can try to think of something that's great about it i find i find that an interesting exercise. and sometimes you don't get to the great until a couple of years later and right then you, what was great it's like you know when i when i look at at um that financial time i had and i go that was a very very dark period but it became light yeah that, ble- that dark there was something great about it. it yes it became my blessing ultimately it became my blessing yeah. the same thing with my divorce i at the time it was it was horrible but that dark period, and I remember going to an Al-Anon meeting. I, I you know, I, I go to, I'm just, I mean, not everybody says what meetings they go to, but I go to Al-Anon because, you know, I disclosed that my mom had a pill problem. And, sure. um, and I have sort of been attracted to um, addicts uh, my entire life. And so I felt like, you know, it, it, even, I, I mean, even actors that I work with, that I, I People in recovery are my favorite actors to work with. Right. So I, I, trying to understand yourself and going, and I just remember going to an Al-Anon meeting like when I was at a really down place and, and this woman, this beautiful black woman stood up and she said those words. She said, I came to this meeting three years ago and someone said, one day your dark period will become your blessing. And I didn't believe them, but she said, I want everybody to know that right now, my dark period is now my blessing. And anybody who's going through what I was three years ago, it's going to become your blessing. And sometimes the universe takes care of things that you can't take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, that you go, okay, mm, I'm not strong enough to do that. Right. And someone else does it for you. Right. It's beautiful. So, 
This has been so great. I want you to say a little about the radio show that you do because I want people to, to either download it or listen live. Yeah, listen to us. We're, we're, it's ubnradio.com. It's the Dell and Emerson show. Yeah. Straight talk. And Emerson, I was real gay. Uh, straight right. talk, real gay. Uh, and we are at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Wednesday. But you can go on iTunes and, and just look it. up. Dylan Emerson, and you'll I've find I've downloaded it. It's great. You guys have great chemistry. Free. It's free. It's fun. You learn stuff. There's great guests. Yeah, we, we, we've been really fortunate. We've had a great amount of, of just wonderful people on the show. Olivia, Leslie, Willem, Coco Peru, Del Dickey today. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, really good fun. And they can learn about the crowdfunding campaign. Just, yeah, go to my, my page. Yeah. Or if you go to Indiegogo.com, you can look up uh, a very... Uh, sorted wedding, yeah, and you'll find it there. And we're doing well, so that's awesome. Yeah. Help us, help us, yeah, Leslie. There, you should just go to look at the video because Leslie Jordan is so hysterical. He goes, "Now you went on the internet and you went on the Facebook and you begged us to do this. Okay, we're doing it. Yeah, now we're begging. We need your money. We're begging. We're pitiful." <laughs> I love the way you imitate him. When you're writing your plays, do you walk around and talk and say Yeah, I do. And I, I call people. I yeah. call people and they, I, I, I worry about caller ID these days because I think, oh, Dell's calling. He's got like four pages to read to me. I would think that would be amazing. What a gift. To well, get. But, uh, there are people who really enjoy yeah. it. And there, are the, and there are those people I choose because they're good audience. Yeah. I go, oh, I know if I call my friend McGee, she's going to laugh. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. there are people that get you in support. Yeah. What you worked on Queer as Folk too? What's your favorite memory of working on that? Um, my favorite memory is I, I the episode when the episode aired of that I wrote called the bombing of Babylon, where Brian said I love you to Justin, and everybody had waited a really long time. And I came in the I, I worked on the third, fourth, and fifth season, so I right. was already a big, big fan of the show and right. Southern Baptist Sissies was the reason I got that show. Truly, Susie Kurtz was the reason I got that show because she was in The Wild Girls with Olivia and her right. daughter Chloe, and she was also in Sisters, and the boys that created, Dan and Ron, who created Queer as Folk, right. were looking for a writer, and she said, oh, you have to go see Southern Baptist Sissies, and they saw it, and they hired me. Oh, so that was, you know... I love like, that story because yeah, so many times I think you, you're doing stuff here, and it feels like they're gulfs apart, that world and... The, the the theater world or whatever every you're doing. job I've ever had points back to the theater every single job I've never had a job in television sorted lives got me Dharma and Greg yeah I mean it's just it's it's just been that way it's awesome. for everything I'm so glad so um, but anyway I re I fought so hard for those three words I love you. Uh, Ron Cowan did not want Brian to ever say those words. He was the creator of the show. And I said, Ron, please, please, please. I'm a fan of the show. The fans deserve that moment. And this is the perfect time for him to say it. And it's the last line of the episode. You can edit it out if it doesn't work. And he said, okay, deal. And I just remember him walking into my office after they cut that episode and he goes, you were right. And it, and I get, still to this day, people write me and go, I can't believe you well, wrote also, that episode. That's my favorite episode. Also, you know, that character was dark. There was a lot of darkness. It was edgy. It was cool. But you want, you, you want, you want that moment. You yeah, want it. we wanted it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was my favorite. I have a pitch idea for you. 
Um, you should do a show called Ned and Greg. You know, because you worked on oh, that would be Stacey fun. and Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Gay them up. Ned and Greg. Ned, Ned and Greg. Yeah. And they could have like these these sort of uh, fruit flies uh, that would be uh, Dharma and Stacy. Yeah. It's a, or they're, they're lesbian friends. Right. Dharma and Stacy. Dharma and Stacy would be a good show. And they roll their eyes. Well, Dharma. <laughs> yeah. Her, whose name used to be Pat. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> 13 episodes. Netflix. Sold. I love it. All right. Del, thank you so much thank for your you. time. You're such an inspiration. You continue to do your thing. And if, if this door closes, you go through that way. And I just really admire the way you've built your career. Well, thank you. And it's yeah. always a pleasure to hang out with you. Yeah. I'll see you in spinning if I ever yes. go again. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. My thanks again to Del Shores. If you're listening for the first time, uh, I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope you come back and subscribe. These are the conversations I try to have with creative, cool, interesting people. Um, if you want to have a little fun, we have a question going on the blog on DennisAnyone.net. What movie or play or TV show did you see when you were way too young? You could chime in on that. Uh, and that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone.